0: We're back for another week. Great. And you are here filling in for Amy.
1: That's wonderful.
0: I appreciate it. You're welcome. So we are, well, how are you doing? We had a very nice holiday season.
1: It was a wonderful holiday season. Christmas
0: was very nice, very relaxing.
1: Very much so. I've had a nice vacation.
0: That's right, you're on vacation. A
1: little sad it's almost over, but...
0: But you have another whole day.
1: Yeah, see when you say that...
0: You have a whole day to have fun.
1: I remember when I had 11 days.
0: And we had fun in those 11 days.
1: Yes, we did.
0: you got to be grateful for that. I am. But I understand why you're sad. I'm sad that Christmas time is over because Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas are my favorite time of year. From like late September to, well, really to Valentine's Day. But once Christmas time is over, I get a little sad.
1: Oh, don't be sad.
0: I won't be. Whatever. But uh, yeah, so yeah, 2023.
1: Yeah, I keep forgetting that. Especially since they don't, you don't write checks anymore.
0: I don't know the last time I saw someone write a check. It may be a very elderly person at the grocery store. Yeah. But checks are almost obsolete now. Yeah. Okay, so we are moving on to Ecclesiastes.
1: Ecclesiastes.
0: Yes. Ecclesiastes. We finished up with the Song of Songs and 1 Kings chapter 11. Okay. So now... Um, Chronologically, we're moving on to Ecclesiastes. Um, But you know what? I think we should say a prayer first. Lord, please be with us during our study. And thank you for allowing Chris to sit in with us. Thank you for letting us spread your word to people all over. Please guide our conversation. Be with us. Guide us in everything we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So first we will do a recap of Song of Songs. It was written by Solomon. It's a series of seven poems describing Solomon and his beloved's meeting, engagement, wedding, wedding night, and the growth of their marriage after the wedding. Solomon married foreign women and built pagan shrines for them, which the Lord was not pleased about, and told Solomon that his son, the future king, would only rule over one tribe. Solomon's servant Jeroboam would be given ten tribes to rule over where Rehoboam would rule over Judah and Benjamin, the largest and smallest tribes. Solomon ruled over Jerusalem for 40 years. So that's just kind of the highlights of what we read about last time.
1: Okay.
0: Okay, so moving on to Ecclesiastes, let's just give some background information as to what's going on here. It's, this was the, the opening paragraph in the Bible. Ecclesiastes is the 21st book in the Bible. Solomon likely wrote it near the end of his reign, reflecting on the entire course of his life. It shows that certain paths in life lead to emptiness. This profound book also helps us discover true purpose in life. Such wisdom can spare us from the emptiness that results from a life apart from God. Solomon teaches that people will not find meaning through knowledge, money, pleasure, work, or popularity. True satisfaction comes from knowing that what we are doing is part of God's purpose for our life. Everything temporal, is it temporal or temporal?
1: I would say temporal.
0: Temporal must be seen in light of the eternal. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Now I was wondering if you could read verses 8 through 11, please.
1: Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now.
0: Awesome, thank you. And then the note for that section says, Many people feel restless and dissatisfied. They wonder, if I am in God's will, why am I so tired and unfulfilled? What is the meaning of life? When I look back on it all, will I be happy with my accomplishments? Why do I feel burned out, disillusioned, dry? What is to become of me? Solomon tests our faith, challenging us to find true and lasting meaning in God alone. As you take a hard look at your life, as Solomon did his, you will see how important serving God is over all other options. Perhaps God is asking you to rethink your purpose and direction in life, just as Solomon did in Ecclesiastes. In the notes it says, the author, possibly Solomon, the king of Israel, referred to himself as the teacher or the leader of the assembly. He was both assembling people to hear a message and gathering wise sayings or proverbs. Solomon, one person in the Bible who had everything wisdom, power, riches, honor, reputation, God's favor is the one who discussed the ultimate emptiness of all that this world has to offer. His purpose in this book is to make people realize that their confidence in their own efforts, abilities, and righteousness was meaningless. Instead, their commitment to God is the only reason for living. Okay, so let's, we're moving on to, because the title. In our in our Bible of that section that you that you read, uh-huh, everything is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. <laughs> yeah.
1: And the next one's title is The Teacher Speaks, The Futility of Wisdom.
0: Great. Okay, yeah, let's move on to there. If you could please read that entire section, verses twelve through eighteen, please.
1: I, the teacher, was king of Israel, and I lived in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to search for understanding, and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. I observed everything going on under the sun, and really, it is all meaningless, like chasing the wind. What is wrong cannot be made right. What is missing cannot be recovered. I said to myself, Look, I am wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me, I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all this is like chasing the wind. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow.
0: Okay, so referring to verses 12 through 15 with what you just read, it said what is wrong cannot be made right what is missing cannot be recovered. This refers to the ultimate perplexity and confusion that come to us because of all the unanswered questions in life. Solomon, writing about his own life, discovered that neither his accomplishments nor wisdom could make him truly happy. True wisdom is found in God, and true happiness comes from pleasing him. And then um, referring to verses 16 through 18, The more you understand, the greater your pain and difficulty. For example, the more you know, the more imperfection you see around you, and the more you observe, the more evil becomes evident. As you set out with Solomon to find the meaning of life, you must be ready to feel more, think more, question more, hurt more, and do more. Are you ready to pay the price for wisdom? And then finally, um, also referring to verses 16 through 18, the note said Solomon highlights two kinds of wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes. One, human knowledge, reasoning, or philosophy. And two, the wisdom that comes from God. In these verses, Solomon is talking about human knowledge. When human knowledge ignores God, it only highlights our problems because it can't provide answers without God's eternal perspective and solution. Did you have any questions or comments about that section that you wanted to talk about? No. Okay.
1: No. I do, I will jump in.
0: Okay, so we are moving on to chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Solomon looked to the good things in life, quote-unquote, but Solomon found it all meaningless, like chasing the wind. And in the notes, Solomon conducted his search for life's meaning as an experiment. He first tried pursuing pleasure. He undertook great projects, bought slaves in herds and flocks, amassed wealth, acquired singers, added many concubines to his harem, and became the greatest person in Jerusalem. But none of these gave him satisfaction. And they quoted verse 11, But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Some of the pleasures Solomon sought were wrong, and some were worthy, but even the worthy pursuits were futile. When you pursue them as an end in themselves, we must look beyond our activities to the reasons we do them and the purpose they fulfill. Is your goal in life to search for meaning or to pursue God? Who gives meaning? As you examine your projects or goals, what is your starting point, your motivation? Without God as your foundation, all you are living for is meaningless. I mean, almost everybody, I think, at some point in their lives looks for that meaning in life.
1: Oh, Absolutely.
0: I mean, that's probably why if you go to the bookstore, there are 10,000 self-help books.
1: Oh, yeah. Life is a treadmill for many. What does that mean? Oh, it's just repetition. It's doing the same thing day in and day out. Unless you endeavor to learn more, seek more, understand God, understand the Bible, seek deeper meaning. I think that was what he was, maybe, that's a layman's, that's my... An educated version of what Solomon was saying and we first read uh, chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. Yeah. Everything is meaningless. If you think about it, the day-to-day, I'm going to associate it with a, a movie where it's got, like, the matrix. hmm One of the things that they realize is that they're, like, in a loop, the repetition, mm-hmm. unless they dig deeper for what is the meaning. hmm And with him, everything is meaningless and Ecclesiastes... Mm-hmm chapter 1 verses 1 through 11 you've you've got to seek deeper meaning and understanding to i think live a full and complete life
0: mm-hmm.
1: or as best you can
0: yeah that's a great way to look at it
1: otherwise it's wake up go to work eat shower sleep repeat yeah unless you look unless you actively search for something or unless you have an experience that breaks you from that that version of reality.
0: Well, and Solomon saying, if you're not pursuing God, then it is like chasing the wind.
1: Chasing the wind, yeah. That's another way of saying it. That's a better way, probably, of saying what I'm saying.
0: Did you want to talk about anything else in that section? No. Okay.
1: I thought that was enlightening.
0: Okay. So we will move on to chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, the wise and the foolish. And yes, would you please read verse 16?
1: It's a short one. For the wise and the foolish both die. The wise will not be remembered any longer than the fool. In the days to come, both will be forgotten.
0: Yeah, I thought that was a really kind of... That was an interesting verse. Because we're all ending up in the same place.
1: You can't take it with you?
0: No. And in fact, they bring that up kind of later on in this in this um, book.
1: Yeah, I think people chase uh, material wealth, parts of the Bible and... Commandments, about know, coveting and the grass is always greener or this and that
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, is about the chase for material wealth or material things, which may make you happy on a temporary basis, but aren't fulfilling God's purpose or the true meaning of what you're here for.
0: Yeah. And, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with having a nice car or having money, but not if that's your your main focus. Right.
1: No, I agree.
0: Now, the note for what you just read said Solomon realized that wisdom alone cannot guarantee eternal life. Wisdom, riches, and personal achievement matter very little after death, and everyone must die. We must must not build our life on perishable pursuits, but on the solid foundation of God. Then, even if everything we have is taken away, we still will have God who is all we really need anyway. Any questions for there? No. No? Okay. Moving on to chapter 2, verses 18 through 26. And this section was titled, The Futility of Work. Solomon came to hate life in the last section we just read. And now he came to hate all his hard work because he had to leave it to others when, when he died. And the one note that I highlighted for this section was Solomon continued to show that hard work bears no lasting fruit for those who work solely to earn money and gain possessions. Not only will everything be left behind at death, but it may be left to those who had done nothing to earn it. In addition, it may not be well cared for, and all that was gained may be lost. In fact, Solomon's son, who inherited his throne, immediately made a foolish decision which split the kingdom. Hard work done with proper motives, caring for your family, serving God, is not wrong. We must work to survive, and more important, we are responsible for the physical and spiritual well-being of those under our care. But the fruit of hard work done to glorify only ourselves will be passed on to those who may later lose or spoil it all. Such toil often leads to grief, while serving God leads to everlasting joy. Okay, anything else for there? No. So moving to chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, a time for everything. And could you please read verses one through eight, please?
1: For everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace.
0: Wonderful, thank you. The notes say... Referring to chapter 3 through 520, Solomon's point in this section is that God has a plan for all people. Thus, he provides cycles of life, each with its work for us to do. And then, regarding what you just read, timing is important. All the experiences listed in these verses are appropriate at certain times. The secret to peace with God is to discover, accept, and appreciate God's perfect timing. The danger is to doubt or resent God's timing. This can lead to despair, rebellion, or moving head without his advice. Or
1: moving head?
0: I'm sorry. Did I say that? Moving ahead.
1: Oh, moving ahead. Yes. Okay.
0: And this really, I think, where being able to adapt and change the focus on your lens, Amy and I talk about that all the time, really comes in because if you're you have to be willing to adapt to different seasons in your life and that isn't easy to do sometimes no you know going off everything that you listed which there's a time for there's times for very uncomfortable things in life that you, people don't especially want to deal with
1: to but be certain
0: you have to you have to adapt to those times and understand that God has placed them in front of you for a reason. This is true. Any other comments on that?
1: No, no. I'm just thinking I'm I'm reflecting on myself and how it's applicable. That's it. How so? Think about it. I don't feel like it.
0: Oh, that's fine.
1: Don't be nosing into my...
0: 26 years and I'm nosing?
1: Nosing into my reflective insight.
0: Okay. Okay, so uh, could you please read verse 11?
1: Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end.
0: I thought that one, I mean, the whole verse is beautiful, but He has planted eternity in the human heart. I just thought that was beautiful. Uh, the note for that section says, God has planted eternity in the human heart. This means that we can never be completely satisfied with earthly pleasures and pursuits. Because we are created in God's image, we have a spiritual thirst, we have eternal value, and nothing but the eternal God can truly satisfy us. God has built in us a restless yearning for the kind of perfect world that can only be found in his perfect rule. He has given us a glimpse of the perfection of his creation, but it is only a glimpse we cannot see into the future or comprehend everything. So we must trust God now and do His work on earth. And then regarding verse 14, the note said, It is impossible to fulfill your God-given purpose unless you revere God and give Him first place in your life. Would you like to ruminate on anything else there? No. Okay.
1: No rumination.
0: Okay. Moving on to chapters 316 through 4:6. This section was titled The Injustices of Life. Solomon noticed evil and corruption in the courtroom. Both people and animals share the same fate in which they, come, they came from dust and will return to dust. And then he also touches upon oppression and envy. And regarding verse 16, the note said evil and corruption sit in the place where justice should be, thus affecting the legal system. Solomon asked how God's plan can be perfect when so much injustice and oppression exist in the world. He concluded that God does not ignore injustice but will bring it to an end at his appointed time. And then, regarding, um, also regarding verse 16, Solomon reflects on several apparent contradictions in God's control of the world. One, there is evil and corruption where there should be justice. Two, people created in God's image die just like the animals. Three, no one comforts the oppressed. Four, many people are motivated by envy. Five, people are lonely. And six, recognition for accomplishments is temporary. It is easy to use such contradictions as excuses to not believe in God, but Solomon used them to show how we can honestly look at life's problems and still keep our faith. This life is not all there is. Yet, even in this life, we should not pass judgment on God because we don't know everything. God's plan for us is to live forever with Him. So, live with eternal values in view, realizing that all contradictions will one day be cleared up by the Creator Himself. Anything? No. Okay. Chapter 4, verses 7 through 12 The Advantages of Companionship. And I just had a, one note for that section. Life is designed for companionship, not isolation. For intimacy, not loneliness. Some people prefer isolation, thinking they cannot trust anyone. We are not here on earth to serve ourselves, but to serve God and others. Don't isolate yourself and try to go it alone. Seek companions, be a team member. Okay, we're chugging along. uh, Chapter 4, verses 13 through 16 was titled, The Futility of Political Power. Solomon Uh, saw the fight for political power as a waste of time like chasing the wind. Uh, The one note I pulled out was regarding verses 13 through 16. Advancement or getting to the top is meaningless. Position, popularity, and prestige are poor goals for a life's work. Although many pursue them, they are shadows without substance. Many people seek recognition for their accomplishments, but people are fickle, changing quickly and easily. How much better to seek God's approval? His love never changes. Okay, chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, the importance of fearing God. Solomon spoke about what we should and should not do as we enter the house of God. Keep your eyes open and mouth shut. Don't make mindless offerings to God. Don't make rash promises. Don't be hasty in bringing matters before God and keep all your promises to God. And the note from 5 1 said, When we enter the house of God, we should have the attitude of being open and ready to listen to God and not dictate to him what we think he should do. Chapters 5 8 through 6 9, The Futility of Wealth. Solomon warned of those who think wealth brings true happiness. And if you could please read chapter 5, verse 15.
1: Chapter 5, verse 15 says, we all come to an end of our lives as naked and empty-handed as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us.
0: And the note for verses 10 and 11 said, No matter how much you earn, if you try to create happiness by accumulating wealth, you will never have enough. Money in itself is not wrong, but loving money leads to all sorts of sin. Whatever your financial situation Don't depend on money to make you happy. Instead, use what you have for the Lord. And then if you could please read 18 through 20, please.
1: Even so, I have noticed one thing, at least, that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them, and to accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the
0: past. And the, um, the note for what you just read said, God wants us to view what we have, whether it is much or little, With the right perspective. Our possessions are a gift from God. Although they are not the source of joy, they are a reason to rejoice because every good thing comes from God. We should focus more on the giver than the gift. We can be content with what we have when we realize that in God we have everything we need. Life does become a lot calmer in my experience when you when you are happy with just what you have Mm -hmm. not just with what you have stop pining for this and that and this and that now don't get me wrong you know it is fun to be like oh you know that'd be fun to have but not when that's your sole thing like you're constantly on the hunt for something 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 when you're just pleased with what you have and even when you're like, you know what, I don't really need that or maybe I don't need that and you start clearing stuff out, just life becomes so much calmer and simpler.
1: Is that to say that we should never look to improve our situations? Because if if what I'm if what I hear at first thought is be happy with what you have, then what are are you not supposed to want to achieve more, better Uh, A different station in life if you're and I mean no disrespect if you're a a grunt worker at whatever job Mm -hmm. is it wrong to want to be the manager or or, or to to be the shift leader and then the supervisor and then the manager and then maybe one day own your own company are those things wrong in the eyes of the
0: Lord okay well let's talk about that for a sec I don't think it would be wrong to, to want to have better for your family Maybe the thing is, why do you want more money? Mm-hmm. What's the purpose of having more money? Right. Maybe that's the, mi- it's the mindset.
1: And the purpose.
0: Yes. So is the mindset, well, I just want more money to buy...
1: A fancy car.
0: Yeah, I want to get a Lamborghini. Or, you know, is it is it for providing for your family? Mm. And m- making things maybe a little bit easier for you and your family. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. That's like a that. really good question, and I think that's an important question to talk through. Rounding out chapters 5, 8 through 6, 9 in the notes, it said, In this section, Solomon shows that having the right attitude about God can help us deal with present injustices. Prosperity is not always good, and adversity is not always bad, but God is always good. If we live as he wants us to, we will be content. Okay, anything else for there? No. So, <laughs> moving... To chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, if you could read verse 10, please.
1: Okay, everything has already been decided. It was known long ago what each person would be, so there's no use arguing with God about your destiny.
0: And in the note for that verse, it said, God knows and directs everything that happens, and he is in complete control over our lives, even though at times it may not seem that way. How foolish is it for us to contend with our creator who knows us completely and can see the future. So moving on to chapter 7 verses 1 through 14, um, I pulled out a note regarding verses 2 and 4. Many people avoid thinking about death, refuse to face it, and are reluctant to attend funerals. Solomon is not encouraging us to think morbidly, but he knows that it is helpful to think clearly about death. It reminds us that we still have time to change, time to examine the direction of our lives, and time to confess our sins and find forgiveness from God. Because everyone will eventually die, it makes sense to plan ahead to experience God's mercy rather than his justice. Chapters 7, 15 through 8, 1, this section was titled The Limits of Human Wisdom. Solomon recommended to not be extreme, either too wicked or too good. The note for 16 through 18 said, How can a person be too good or too wise? This is a warning against pride, legalism, or false righteousness. Solomon was saying that some people become so good or wise in their own eyes that they become deluded by their own religious acts. They are so rigid or narrow in their views that they lose their sensitivity to the true reason for being good, to honor God. Balance is important. God created us to be whole people who seek his righteousness and goodness. Thus, we should avoid both extremes of legalism and immorality. And if you could please read chapter 8, verse 1, please.
1: How wonderful to be wise, to analyze and interpret things. Wisdom lights up a person's face, softening its harshness.
0: And then the note for that verse says wisdom is the ability to see life from God's perspective and then to know the best course of action to take. Most people would agree that wisdom is a valuable asset, but how can we acquire it? Proverbs 9 verse 10 teaches that the fear of the Lord, respect and honor, is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom comes from knowing and trusting God. It is not merely the way to find God. Knowing God will lead to understanding and then to sharing this knowledge with others. Now, the next section, uh, chapter 8, verses 2 through 8, which is titled, Obedience to the King, said to remember to obey the king because you vowed to God you would. And I didn't have any notes uh, from that section. So moving on to verses 9 through 17, the wicked and the righteous. Solomon continues with what he found meaningless in the world. And the note pulled from verse 15 was Solomon recommends the remedy for life's unanswered questions, joy and contentment. We must accept each day with its measure of work, food and pleasure. Let us learn to enjoy what God has given to refresh and strengthen us so we may continue his work. Any questions? No. No? Moving on to chapter 9 verses 1 through 12 we will all eventually die, good people and sinners. And if you could read um, chapter 9, verse 9, please.
1: Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil.
0: I am your reward! It's in the Bible!
1: Through all the meaningless days of my life.
0: Congratulations! (laughs) you won okay so the the note for that says Solomon also wrote a proverb about marriage now this comes from Proverbs 18.22 and I would like you to listen to this intently please the man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord (laughs) you're welcome How sad it would be to be married and not appreciate or enjoy the companion God has given you. Hmm. Moving on, here's a note from verses 10 and 11. The book of Proverbs emphasizes how life would go if everyone acted fairly. Ecclesiastes explains what usually happens in our imperfect world. We must keep our perspective. Don't let the iniquities of life keep you from earnest, dedicated work. We serve God, not people. Anything from from there at all you want to talk about?
1: No, I think you own that one.
0: Yes, well, I am the treasure of your life.
1: Thank you. I am wealthy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You could put that on your business card. Millionaire. In love.
1: No, just exceedingly wealthy.
0: Wealthy in love.
1: Have you met my wife?
0: I'm wealthy.
1: I'm wealthy. Just have your picture on the card, not mine.
0: I'll be on the back of the card. We'll be. Just
1: your picture in a uh, Get one of those holographic cards that when you turn it, it's a treasure, closed treasure chest. <laughs> when, you, when you turn it, the treasure chest opens and you, and you pop out.
0: <laughs> that would be so funny. Chapters nine thirteen through ten four, Thoughts on wisdom and folly. And that's kind of exactly what it was. More bits of wisdom from Solomon. Chapters ten five through 20. The ironies of life. Could you please read? Chapter 10, verse 10.
1: Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed.
0: I really love that quote. I like it too. It's like, you know what? Get going. Sharpen your blade.
1: Well, I equate that. My first reading of it, it doesn't mean it's the correct interpretation or the correct analogy, but my first reading of it was my brain.
0: Yeah, sharpen, sharpen your knowledge.
1: Because using a dull axe or a dull brain requires great strength. So sharpen the blade, increase your knowledge.
0: Mm-hmm. Very good. And the note regarding that says trying to do anything without the necessary skills or tools is like chopping wood with a dull axe. That's true. If your tool is dull, you should sharpen it to do a better job. Similarly, if you lack skills, you should sharpen them through training and practice quote-unquote sharpen the blade means to recognize where a problem exists acquire or hone the skills or tools to do the job better and then go out and do it find the areas of your life where your axe is dull and sharpen your skills so you can be more effective for god's work i really like that Yep. mostly because it's like hey take some action get yeah. going okay moving on to chapter 11 verses 1 through 6 the uncertainties of life in these verses, Solomon summarizes that life involves both risk and opportunity. Because life has no guarantees, we must be prepared. Solomon does not support a stingy, despairing attitude. Just because life is uncertain does not mean we should do nothing. We need a spirit of trust and adventure, facing life's risks and opportunities with God-directed enthusiasm and faith. And if you could please read verse 4, 11-4.
1: Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest.
0: And the note regarding that verse says waiting for perfect conditions will mean inactivity. This practical insight is especially applicable to our spiritual lives. If we wait for the perfect time and place for personal Bible reading, we will never begin. If we wait for a perfect church, we will never join. If we wait for the perfect ministry, we will never serve. Take steps now to grow spiritually. Don't wait for conditions that may never exist. That was really good. Yeah. I really like that section a lot. Yeah. Because conditions will never be perfect. No. Okay, so moving on to chapters 11:7 through 12:7. Advice for young and old. Solomon is no dreary, so the the note for verses 7 and 8 Solomon is no dreary pessimist in Ecclesiastes 11:7 through 12:14 He encourages us to rejoice in every day but to remember that eternity is far longer than a person's lifespan Live with the attitude that although our life is short we will live with God forever and then the note for 12:1 a life without God can produce bitterness loneliness, and hopelessness in old age. When faced with disabilities, sickness, or handicaps, a life centered around God is still fulfilling and can be rich and bearable even in old age. Being young is exciting, but the excitement of youth can become a barrier to closeness with God if it makes young people focus on passing pleasures instead of eternal values. Make your strength available to God while it is still yours during your youthful years. Don't waste it on evil or meaningless activities that become bad habits and make you callous. Seek God now. Youthful years, I think, can be deceiving. Now, some people can see, look at youthful years as, oh, when you're a teenager. But an 80-year-old could say, well, you're 60. Right. You're still in your youthful years. Yeah. So it's all kind of where your mindset is regarding that.
1: It's all relative.
0: Yeah. And if you could read, um, please, chapter 12, verse 7.
1: For then the dust will return to the earth, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it.
0: And the note for that said, Stripped of the life-giving Spirit breathed into us by God, our bodies return to dust. Stripped of God's purpose, our work is in vain. Stripped of God's love, our service is futile. We must put God first over all we do, And in all we do, because without him we have nothing. Knowing that life is futile... Is it futile or futile?
1: I think you can say it either way. Okay. I think futile. futile. I think I usually say futile. Okay. But I don't know that that is correct.
0: Well, I'm going futile. Knowing that life is futile without God motivated the wise person to seek God first. Anything for there? No. Okay, so we are moving on to... Chapter 12, verses 8 through 14, concluding thoughts about the teacher. If you could please read verses 13 and 14.
1: That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad.
0: And the note for that said the book of Ecclesiastes cannot be interpreted correctly without reading these final verses. No matter what the mysteries and apparent contradictions of life are, we must work toward the single purpose of knowing God. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon shows us that we should enjoy life, but this does not exempt us from obeying God's commands. We should search for purpose and meaning in life, but these cannot be found in human endeavors. We should acknowledge the evil, foolishness, and injustice in life, yet maintain a positive attitude and strong faith in God. All people will have to stand before God and be judged for what they have done in this life. We will not be able to use the inequities of life as an excuse for failing to live properly. Recognize that human effort apart from God is futile. Put God first. Now, receive everything good as a gift from God and realize that God will judge every person's life whether good or evil. How strangely people spend their lives striving for the joy that God gives freely. Anything? No. Well, that's it. That's That was Ecclesiastes.
1: I do want to say that I, I, I enjoy uh, participating in this with you. Yeah. I do want to extend my apologies to your listeners, though. Why? For no, well, I feel like I don't bring... Um, I feel like I don't bring the same level of... Uh, sounding board or back-and-forth or banter that you and Amy have.
0: Okay, well, listen. No, you don't, but that's okay. Because, you know what? For whatever reason, you were supposed to be here. Oh, well, that's fair. Tonight. Yes. And not Amy. Maybe there was something that you were supposed to pick up from this.
1: Fair enough. I enjoyed it.
0: I. But uh, also, you asked questions that Amy would never ask. Hmm. Not because she doesn't want to. It's just because you are looking at it from a different perspective than she is. Mm-hmm. She's been in the church her, almost her whole life. Mm. So when her and I get together, it's a, di- it's a certain dynamic. But then when you and I get together, it's a different dynamic. Mm-hmm. So there's, I, I understand where you're coming from, but there's nothing wrong with what you're doing or not doing. Okay. It's just a different... Balance. Oh, good. That's all, because you know what? Everything that you asked, I'm sure there are, like, a thousand people out there that have the same question. Mm. Well, or, or even different questions, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's never anything wrong with asking a certain question or being like, well, hold on, let's talk this one through. Okay. Because I think if you don't do that, you may not learn as well. If you're talking things through and really trying to understand it instead of maybe just going through the motions, uh, the person who asks the questions is going to have a better understanding of what they just read. Right. So. Okay. It's okay. Thank you. Okay, let's give out some information. The email is basicbiblestudy19 at gmail.com, facebook.com slash mybasicbiblestudy. And the website is mybasicbiblestudy.com, and that's where you can find Um, most of the links for all the podcasts, but you know, there are, do you know how many podcast, podcast sites there are? There's so many. We have all, we just have the big ones up there. Oh. Like Apple. Uh, Apparently it's not called iTunes anymore.
1: I did not know that. I,
0: well, I didn't either. I just thought it was iTunes. I guess it's called like Apple podcasts now. Oh. Whatever. iTunes, Amazon, Amazon has podcasts now. Amazon has everything. Amazon does have everything. Uh, I was going to say Shazam. It's not Shazam. It's um, Spotify. Don't go to Shazam. That's so you can find uh, what song you're listening to. So Spotify and iHeartRadio. Google? I think Google has one. I would assume so. Yeah. Anyways, they're all up there. Now, next time we are going to dive back into... 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles. So 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles had a lot of parallels. So you we would have we would have like some verses from 1 Kings and then the parallel verses would be in 2 Chronicles. Get ready if you want to write it down. Otherwise, go to our Facebook page and I will have all of this which I'm about to say on there. 1 Kings chapter 12 verses 1 through 20, the parallel is 2 Chronicles chapter 10. Verses 1 through 19. 1 Kings chapter 12 verses 21 through 24. The parallel is 2 Chronicles 11, 1 through 4. 1 Kings chapter 12 verses 25 through 33. 2 Chronicles chapter 11, 5 through 17. 1 Kings chapter 13, 1 through 34. 1 Kings 14, 1 through 18. 1 Kings chapter 14, 21 through 24. And the parallel is 2 Chronicles 12, 13 through 14. 2 Chronicles 11, 18 through 23. 1 Kings 14, 25 through 28. And the parallel is 2 Chronicles 12, 1 through 12. 1 Kings 14, 29 through 31. The parallel Second 2 Chronicles 12, 15 through 16. 1 Kings 15, 1 through 8. And the parallel is 2 Chronicles 13, 1 through 22. 1 Kings 15, 9 through 15, parallel 2 Chronicles 14, 1 through 8. 1 Kings 14, 19 through 20. 1 Kings 15, 25 through 34. 2 Chronicles 14, 9 through 15. And 2 Chronicles 15, 1 through 19. 1 Kings 15, 16 through 22, the parallel 2 Chronicles 16, 1 through 10. And finally, 1 Kings 16, 1 through 20. That's probably the longest one we've ever had.
1: That was a fair amount.
0: Yeah, it's a fair amount. And it, it sounds overwhelming. It's really not, though. Good. It really isn't. Because each section isn't that long. Uh, but like I said, it's all on the Facebook page. And we're going to, because Solomon has just died. So now we're, we're moving on from Solomon. He's just died? Yeah, he's just, well, he's just died in the Bible where we're at. Oh, okay. Don't need you to be a smarty pants. Just saying. I thank you again for uh, for for joining me. You're welcome, my treasure. Oh, I expect to see the holographic cards in five to seven days.
1: Might take longer than that. Why? Well, I, I don't know. I'd I'd have to do research. And
0: is it going to be like in? Remember in Frosted Flakes, they would have like the three D baseball cards. Do you remember those? No. Did you ever buy Frosted Flakes?
1: Uh, No, we didn't really, we weren't typically allowed sweetened cereals.
0: Wait a minute. Your family bought all sorts of ice cream, but you couldn't have sweetened cereals? No. That makes no sense.
1: That's a whole other discussion. Another day. (laughs) Cheerios, Rice Krispies, and Corn Flakes.
0: All have sugar.
1: No, no. I'm talking about over-the-top added sugar. Oh. Corn Flakes, Frosted Corn Flakes. Cheerios, mm. Honey Nut Cheerios, Rice Krispies.
0: You got all those?
1: No, I didn't get the sweetened versions. Oh,
0: what I I see I'm what saying
1: you're is, saying. we got Corn Flakes, yeah, Cheerios, and Rice Krispies.
0: Did why not? Uh...
1: And probably a couple others that were of the, of the same can.
0: What about um post post? Grape nuts? Yes.
1: No, I didn't, I didn't like grape nuts. Why? They were too much like sawdust.
0: No. I maybe mean, if you're going to go I'm healthy... I'm thinking of another
1: cereal. I must be thinking of another cereal.
0: Did did you ever get honeycomb? Oh. Captain Crunch.
1: Yeah, once a year, once every
0: couple years. If the world were coming to an end, and you knew about it, what cereal would you get and eat the entire box? Chips Ahoy. No. No. Chips Ahoy is... Those are cookies. You mean cook... Um... Cookie crisp. Really?
1: Yeah, I like cookie Crisp. Okay, okay. Maybe Captain Crunch.
0: No, no. I want you to get the one that makes you the happiest. Well, I might get both. Oh, okay, that's true. You might get sick, but I guess it really doesn't matter it doesn't at that matter. point. doesn't
1: matter. Cookie Crisp.
0: Do they still make Cookie Crisp?
1: I don't know. I never look for it.
0: No, I don't either. I think I'd have to go Captain Crunch.
1: Captain Crunch is mighty fine.
0: It really is. Or, what's the Reese's one?
1: Oh, screw that.
0: What's it called, though?
1: I think it's just Reese's.
0: Reese, it's the Reese's it's, cereal. Yeah,
1: I know which one you're talking about. I think the it's,
0: chocolate and the peanut butter. Yeah, I think it's just oh. called that.
1: No, that's disgusting.
0: No, it's not. Okay, one day. So there's two days until the end of the world. Now there's two. I'm gonna go to the store and I'm gonna get my box of Reese's Puffs. Oh, Reese's Puffs.
1: And you think there's not gonna be a run? How the hell are you gonna get to the store?
0: I'm gonna walk, and I'm gonna get my box of Reese's Puffs. My box of...
1: And how are you paying for it?
0: Hold on a sec. You're Let gonna me finish. To, you're going to have to steal it. Let me finish my fantasy. My box of Reese's Puffs and my box of Captain Crunch. And I have to get milk.
1: You're going to have to steal it. And how is that going to sit with God?
0: Well, listen. I'm not going to steal it.
1: Well, here's the thing. I'm going to... The, the electric grid will be down. Listen up. And there's no more cash taken anywhere.
0: Listen up. I'm going to have $10 in my pocket. I'm going to just...
1: You just slap it down on the counter? I'm going to
0: slap it on the counter. And that way God will know... She left her money there. Someone may have immediately stolen it, but she left her money there. Listen, if Jesus is coming back down, I'm going to have some Reese's Puffs and I'm going to have some Captain Crunch. Fair enough. All right, we will catch you next time. Have a blessed week.